You are entering the Freedom Hut. Fireworks today on Capitol Hill as a certified member of the deep state, Peter Strzok, that senior FBI agent, he had quite the back and forth with uh, members of Congress and the Democrats were running cover for him in every way they can. What does this tell us about the truth of the effort to stop Trump from within the DOJ? Plus, the NATO summit is over. Trump's hanging out in the UK. What is the aftermath and what kind of liberal tears are coming out now? That and more coming up on the Buck Sexton Show. This, this is the Buck Sexton Show. Where the mission, or mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One make, make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. You're asking us to believe that when you say things like F Trump and stop Trump and impeach Trump, that those are just personal beliefs. And that when you say those things, you never cross uh, that line, that bright, inviolable line, uh, and allow it to impact your official conduct. That's really what this comes down to, that you're asking us to believe, isn't it? Uh, sir, I'm asking you to believe, and I'm offering you evidence. Yeah, well, you whether have. Whether it's the been, IG report, you, you, whether it's it anything that's been found, that there's been no yeah. active you, bias listen, found you have, anywhere. You have under oath been as clear as a bell on that. You've said it over and over again. And, and because of that, I'm almost embarrassed to ask you this question. Um, of the approximately 50,000 text messages that I've seen with your personal beliefs like F Trump, stop Trump, impeach Trump, Go ahead and confirm on the record that none of that occurred on an official FBI device or on official FBI time. Go ahead and do that. Sir, no, they did. Many of them did. Oh, they did. Okay, so. uh, So, so really, no, I'll give you a chance at the end. So what you really meant to say was that when you said you never crossed that bright, inviolable line, what you meant to say was, except for 50,000 times, except for hundreds of times of day where I went back and forth, expressing my personal opinions about effing Trump and stopping Trump and impeaching Trump on official FBI phones, on official FBI time. Other than that, you never cross that line. I'm sure there are 13,000 FBI agents out there that are beaming with pride at how clearly you've drawn that line. Agent Strzok, are you starting to understand why some folks out there don't believe a word you say and why it's especially troubling that you, of all people, are at the center of the three highest profile investigations in recent times that involved President Trump and that you were in charge of an investigation investigating, gathering evidence against Donald Trump, a subject that you hated, that you wanted to F him, to stop him, to impeach him. And do you see why that might call into question everything you've touched on all of those investigations? Chairman, uh, I'm done with this witness. We're certainly not done with him. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. That was among the best exchanges from uh, Peter Strzok of the Deep State, or rather Peter Strzok, still actively employed with the Federal Bureau of Investigation on Capitol Hill today, taking a bit of heat. From some members of the GOP, including Trey Gowdy. Well, like Trey Gowdy kind of went went away for a while, and I was like, what happened to Trey Gowdy? And now Trey Gowdy's back. And I'm like, yeah, the Trey Gowdy that I like. We'll get to that in a few moments. A lot in that exchange there. And you'll notice the continuation of a trend, a trend that I have been telling you about here on this show for a long time. 
And it is as follows. The more information we find out about what the Department of Justice did on Hillary's emails and on Russia collusion, the worse it looks for the anti-Trump narrative, the better it looks for the pro-Trump narrative. With each month, with each passing revelation, everything that we see, that's what's going on here. That is something that we cannot let pass without noting. And I will tell you this. I think the single most, I know we, we played that and, you know, I was talking to uh, our, our Freedom Hut squad here, producer Mike and John up in New York, uh, about how there's so much in the hearing that that was really worthwhile. But I wanted you to play that whole exchange. You got the full context of it uh, where, you know, John, Representative John Ratcliffe was just ripping into Strzok. Okay. But there was one thing you heard Strzok say. Remember, he's a senior counterintelligence uh, FBI guy. Among the most senior counterintelligence people, what a deputy assistant director of the FBI or something like that. Can't keep all these titles straight. But he said there was no active bias. Now, this is a very big deal because this is how politicization and this is how the weaponization of the law and federal bureaucracies and prosecutors offices. This is how it happens. By playing with language. No active bias. Now that's that's from the uh, relying on the IG report, which was really a compendium of bias. It was a compendium of bias that they then said had no bias. Which was a, a tremendous exercise in what you could say is the gaslighting of the American people. You just read all this stuff about bias, but there's no bias. It did not happen, right? But notice how this is a this is also a trend. No active bias. That's what he says. So all the text messages, all the stop Trump, F Trump, I hate Trump. We're going to make sure Trump isn't elected. For a person who is actually in a position to maybe accomplish that, using his discretion, using his judgment. He might be able to accomplish that goal. This is this is this is not some guy on a street corner yelling at the sky, saying he's going to prevent Trump from being elected. This is somebody who was in the right place at the right time to try and alter the will of the American people, change the history of the world, and stop Trump from being president. This is very, very significant. But he says, oh, no, I just because it was clear that that would have been my preference, and just because all of the actions that we have seen, remember, you have to take this in its totality. The actions we've seen from the FBI show that they are very aggressively go after Trump. They very aggressively investigate Trump. They had a FISA warrant out against Carter Page. This is insane. They went, they went with the, the equivalent, the investigative equivalent of the nuclear option against Trump. And they went with, you know, kid gloves dealing with the Hillary investigation. And then they tell us, but and, and then we know that they have these feelings because they were dumb enough to write it down. Struck was, among others, and they tell us there's no bias, no active bias. But you see, it's just like what Comey did with Hillary. They create an opening by changing the language. No active bias kind of reminds you of extremely careless instead of reckless 
Remember, that's that's that was the old that was the magic trick. That was the magic trick to save Hillary from federal criminal prosecution. It's all they had to do. It's all Comey had to do. Undermine the law, undermine any sense of justice or integrity the Department of Justice and the FBI had. But it was a very straightforward process. It wasn't extremely careless. It was. It was. uh, Or rather, it was extremely careless. It wasn't. Gross negligence, which is the exact terminology in the criminal standard. Well, here it might have been bias, but it wasn't active bias. Nowhere else in law or life do you get away with this, right? In no other legal context, you're able to be like, well, you know, all the evidence points toward bias, but eh. nobody actually swore out an affidavit saying I am doing this because of bias. They have elevated the evidence. This is what I I think this is the most important thing from the hearing today. There's a few other things I want to tell you about, but they've they, what they are doing by changing the changing the language is they have elevated the evidentiary standard so high that it is essentially impossible for it to be reached. And it is exactly what they did with Hillary. They elevate the evidentiary standard. So you you would have to have somebody with the equivalent of a videotape sworn confession. Yes, I know I'm breaking the law and I'm going to do it. That's what they did with Strzok. Yes, I'm going to break the law and, and, and I know I'm doing it and I don't care. And now look at the other side of the equation, the Trump side of this, and you have Flynn pleading guilty to lying, even though the original, oh, that's right, it was Peter Strzok, the original FBI agent sat down and didn't think he lied. That That's, it's almost like the evidentiary standard all of a sudden drops dramatically, folks. This is what dishonest progressive statists do they change and abuse the rules for their own power and for their own benefit this is just part of i don't know their their psychological makeup this is how they go through their day-to-day lives this is what they think justice looks like different rules for different people this is why as i tell you hypocrisy is a defining characteristic for the american left today a defining characteristic and for the FBI, it's the same thing. Oh, yeah, Lisa Page, she doesn't show up for a congressional hearing. By the way, Congress should send the sergeant in arms and go arrest her. Go for it. See what happens. Doesn't show up for a subpoena. If you did that with a judge, you all know this. In your town, in your city, if, if you're subpoenaed to testify and you don't show up, they put out a warrant for your arrest. You don't get to say, I don't feel like testifying this time around. doesn't work that way. But different rules. Different rules for them. But the no active bias statement, I thought, was among the most important moments in the whole thing today. And Trey Gowdy, I mentioned it before. He, Trey got after it today. I was proud of him today. Play 18. So if the bias existed in late 2015 and early 2016, and it did, his own fitness to investigate existed then as well. Agent Strzok struggled to define bias for the better part of 10 hours. For the rest of us, bias is the prejudging of a person, a group, or a thing. It usually has a negative connotation, but it is a preconceived position or a prejudgment. It is the making up of your mind ahead of time 
based on anything other than the facts, and that is exactly what he did. Bias is saying Hillary Clinton should win the presidency 100 million to zero when she was still under investigation, wasn't even the nominee, hadn't been interviewed, and 30 other witnesses had also not been interviewed. You see, the problem here that we face is that we are dealing with an opposition. We are dealing with a a left-wing ideology in this country that is widespread, that is in control of one major political party, that does not actually believe in rules. It just believes in the rule of power. They do not believe in definitions. They believe in redefining as necessary on the spot for the purposes of achieving power. So how can we operate within that context how can we expect there to be any justice or any fairness and the answer increasingly is i i have to say i've lost faith and i'm already cynical about federal bureaucracy and i'm already cynical about the decisions that federal bureaucrats make that involve any kind of political political impact but we're at a point now where we just we can't take we can't take their word for it anymore. We shouldn't. We would be foolish to do so. There's some other moments in this struck hearing. A lot of important stuff mixed in among the oh the Democrats. Oh, it was a circus with them. Oh, I've got to no to let the let the witness answer. Oh, I've got to pee. Oh, you know, I mean, they're just like anything they can do to stop him from having to answer, stop Struck from having to answer any real questions. And, oh my gosh. Oh, Boxers or briefs. I mean, they're just like yelling out whatever they have to say. It's just ah, this is a congressional hearing. It, it, it sounded like, you know, after hours at a fraternity party basement or something, people just yelling. Ah, it was a fighting and craziness. Some really dumb things said by Democrats today, too. I mean, just wow. First tier stupidity on display. We'll, we'll, we'll dig into some of that. And then next time I'll tell you about NATO stuff, but. You already know how I feel about all the NATO stuff, which is that it's really a, this is, this is a, we're going to have to put a little pin in this one. We'll come back to it. But for a lot of people, NATO, so, you know, we talk about virtue signaling, which is, oh, you know, I, I, uh, I'm an environmentalist. You know, I, I, I compost and all that, you know, virtue signal, right? You're such a good person. You want everybody to know it. For a lot of people, NATO support is actually. Uh, a kind of intellectual signaling like oh i'm i'm smart and worldly so i, I just nato is amazing and you ask them well what is what is what is nato even doing these days what do you think nato's role is what what's a what's a good mission for nato going into the future uh, and then they just get huffy because they don't want to be forced to think about it so that'll but that'll be more in the second hour today we, we have a lot to get through with this hearing there's some fun stuff some funny stuff some crazy stuff some disturbing stuff You'll laugh. You'll cry. It's the Freedom Hut. We'll have a great time. We'll be right back. Your testimony is Bob Mueller did not kick you off because of the content of your text. He kicked you off because of some appearance that he was worried about. My testimony, what you asked and what I responded to was that he kicked me off because of my bias. I'm stating to you it is not my understanding that he kicked me off because of any bias, that it was done based on the appearance. 
If you want to represent what you said accurately, I'm happy to answer that question, but I don't appreciate what was originally said being changed. I don't give a damn what you appreciate, Agent Strzok. I don't appreciate having an FBI agent with an unprecedented level of animus working on two major investigations during 2016. That's the Trey Gowdy that we know and love. Man, it's, uh, it's, it's astonishing to see how all this all this has played out. Really does. Um, can I just say before we get into some more of the details here, uh, Agent Struck is a liar. He's lying about a lot of things. He won't be prosecuted for any of it because two sets of rules. Hypocrisy reigns. But he is a liar. He said, for example, about his text referring to ignorant hillbillies who vote for Trump. He said that the text was more about the rivalry between Virginia's Fairfax County and neighboring Loudoun County. Are any of you are you, are you chuckling? You should be chuckling. Here's a fun fact. Loudoun County is one of the richest per capita counties in the United States. Fairfax is also one of the richest counties in the United States. So he's referring to one of those counties as ignorant hillbillies. This would be like saying, oh, I wasn't talking about ignorant hillbillies who vote for Trump because I'm disparaging Trump voters because I'm a psychopathic hater of all things Trump. I was talking about, you know, the hillbillies on the Upper West Side of Manhattan who don't like the people on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. No, no, it's just a lie. It's a lie. He won't be held accountable for any of the lies. Uh, Just like I believe, by the way, uh, uh, McCabe. Of the formerly of the FBI will not be held accountable for any lies because there's different sets of different sets of rules for law enforcement. But this doesn't this go to how can we get everyday citizens locked up for non-criminal activity, but lying about their non-criminal activity. But the law enforcement officers themselves at this level, at the high level, not the rank and file, not the folks at the FBI field offices across the country, the D.C. office, the big dogs. Why do they get to skate? This was one of my problems with CIA, too, man. It was true of of uh, operational security issues and, and the rules around classified. The big important people got to live by a different set of rules. Little folks like me, we had to live in fear of even the smallest mistake. But we'll get back to Agent Strzok. We're going to take him to task in just a moment. holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. But let me be clear, unequivocally and under oath, not once in my 26 years of defending our nation did my personal opinions impact any official action I took. This is true for the Clinton email investigation, for the investigation into Russian interference, and for every other investigation I've worked on. It is not who I am, and it is not something I would ever do, period. I understand that my sworn testimony will not be enough for some people. In terms of the text that we will stop it, you need to understand that that was written late at night, off the cuff, and it was in response to a series of events that included then-candidate Trump insulting the immigrant family of a fallen war hero. And my presumption, based on that horrible, 
disgusting behavior that the American population would not elect somebody demonstrating that behavior to be president of the United States. It was in no way, unequivocally, any suggestion that me, the FBI, would take any action whatsoever to improperly impact the electoral process for any candidate. As to the 100 million to one that was clearly a statement made in jest, I can assure you, Mr. Chairman, at no time in any of these texts did those personal beliefs ever enter into the realm of any action I took. Let's assume for a second that you were, uh, you're an employer, you're, you're, you're hiring folks, right? Let, let's just, let, let's take it, let's take it away from the heat of Capitol Hill and all the politics and the, rah, you know, do we, by the way, do we, do we have some of the crazy stuff out there with what they were doing? The, uh, the yelling and the, oh, Mr. Speaker, we need to come to order, you know, will the chairman call the order of the house? I've really got to pee, and, you know, just, just all the things that they were yelling to try to. I mean, it was the equivalent of the Democrats today on Capitol Hill. When Strzok would get a question or when he would get caught in something that they wanted to get, they'd go, la, 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 Strzok can't answer, la, la. I mean, it was like a bunch of kids. And then one of them even said uh, that he wished he could give him a purple heart. Oh, I wish he could give a purple heart. The people I know who have actually gotten purple hearts for the most honorable kind of action one could ever engage in. I'm I'm sure that they 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 don't particularly take take kindly to oh Peter Strzok he's having to answer mean questions. Don't forget, folks. Strzok has presided. Strzok has sat there in the room and watched many people's lives get ruined, and not just like murderers, rapists, and you know drug cartel guys. You know people uh, that got caught up in a little bit of a a white collar thing, maybe a little mortgage fraud, maybe you know the. There's a lot more gray area in federal law than most people realize and understand. Overcriminalization is a very real problem. I, I'm telling you, Strzok has been in the room. I've been in the room when prosecutors and uh, law enforcement were making some of the decisions as to whether to go after somebody or not. And if, if people only knew how much was up to the discretion of some of these bureaucrats uh, as to you know whose life basically gets ruined and who actually you know lives to fight another day, we wouldn't sleep that soundly at night. The, the decision a lot of the time is, yeah, you know, we got to get this guy. And that's why bias matters so much when you have evidence of real bias, which we clearly do. And as I said, they've just redefined bias. So there's no such thing as bias anymore for law enforcement. It's they're, they're playing the worst kinds of, of games here. But but as, as let me go back to my example. We'll take it away from all that. The heat in Capitol Hill and everything will give everybody a chance to, you know, set the engines back to neutral, recharge. If you were an employer and you're hiring, and you were sending out emails to various various people in your employee saying, you know, I really, I really just don't want to hire any people from New Jersey. Uh, I, I, I just, I'm sorry, hold on a second. Let, let me scratch that. I really don't like people from New Jersey. I think people from New Jersey are the worst. I think that they, I think that they smell bad. I think their state smells bad. And, and New Jersey is a terrible, terrible place. And then you are in a position where people are saying, well, hold on a second. You've hired from all other 49 states out there except the 50th, New Jersey. You will not, you, you will not hire, any, you have not a single person in the, in the thousands of hires you've done from the state of New Jersey. 
and you and you as the hiring you know boss in this kind of weird analogy I'm drawing up on the fly here said, but you don't understand. I have no active bias against New Jersey. That would never fly in a million years. Nobody would be like, oh, well, you've established that you hate everybody from New Jersey. You clearly take actions that harm New Jerseyans, but we can't get you for actively discriminating against New Jerseyans, right? That is what they're doing here. I mean, that is the game that the FBI and the Democrats are playing. It, it, it's... Oh, and, and and if you're wondering, this this actually because this this thing is like is been going on all day. So there's more and more of it all the time. Uh, we now do have Peter Strzok saying, uh, you know, in, in front of Congress under oath that sure enough he did, you know, he did talk to Bruce Orr and and he did get the dossier. You know, basically that they got the dossier from the media. They got the dossier from the media. There's a lot of stuff where he's saying, oh, you know, um, uh, he's been told by FBI counsel not to answer which I would note is another way of saying that the FBI uh, is helping him obstruct. The FBI is a part of the, uh, you know, the FBI bureaucracy is a part of the, the cover-up here, which doesn't surprise me at all. Look, I worked at the CIA. I know how this goes. These government agencies and, and, and uh, departments they become organisms that are self-aware. They, they think of their own interests. It's like a collective hive mind. And they will put their interests above the interests of the American people and the rule of law unless there is sufficient oversight to stop them. They will do it. It's just in the nature of bureaucracies. This is how it happens. But I, I also want to note that um, the Democrats were not being shy about what their intent was here, who they were rooting for, what they were thinking. They actually erupted in cheers for Peter Strzok at one point. Play at 24. All of these safeguards and somehow be able to do this is astounding to me. It simply couldn't happen. And the proposition that that is going on, that it might occur anywhere in the FBI, deeply corrodes what the FBI is in American society, the effectiveness of their mission, and it is deeply destructive. The, 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 Yay. Mr. Chairman, I have a motion. Yeah, the, those are members of Congress who are cheering for a witness and clapping, okay? Can we just, one thing we need to put out there right away, struck is a disgrace. Struck is a disgrace. There's, there's no question about that. It's just a question of how bad the disgrace is, and how much we can prove he did to harm Trump. But, and I'm not even going where my man uh, Louis Gohmert went, which I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say, that. Do, by the way, do we have that audio? No, we, there's so much audio from the day. Uh, oh, we do. Oh, producer Mike is like, oh, don't bring that. Don't bring that weak sauce in here, Sexton. I got it. All right, producer Mike. He was ready for this one. This is what our buddy uh, Louis. Go oh, yeah, here it is. Louis Gohmert had to say, play it. When you have text messages, Mr. Strzok, the way you do, saying the things you did, you'd been better off coming in here and say, look, that was my bias. And you kind of get around to that a little bit when you say, hey, uh, you know, everybody's got political views. Those are called biases. And we all have them. And you have come in here and said, I had no bias. And you do it with a straight face. And I watched you in the, in the private testimony you gave. 
And I told some of the other guys, he is really good. He's lying. He knows we know he's lying. And he could probably pass a polygraph. Point. It's amazing. Mr. Chairman. No, this is my Mr. Time. Chairman, I'm sorry. I, point of order. Paused. This point of order. No. The general state is point of order. A member of this committee just asserted that this witness who is under oath and a former agent of the FBI lied. There is no evidence that I ask Current him to withdraw agent of the FBI. I do not withdraw it. He is not a member of Congress. It's not a violation of the rule. And just as you have been expressing bias through your members about what a hero there is not a single person on this committee who has ever characterized the a witness. Gentleman from lied. Rhode Island. Gentlemen, it's my time. That's a just gentleman from Democrats Rhode Island. Like say defense attorney. No, the disgrace, Mr. What this man has done. The gentleman from justice. Texas will suspend for a there moment. There is the disgrace. And it won't be recaptured anytime soon because of the damage you've done to the justice system. And I've talked to FBI agents around the country. You've embarrassed them. You've embarrassed yourself. And I can't help but wonder when I see you looking there with a little smirk. How many times did you look so innocent into your wife's eye and lie to her about uh, Lisa? Mr. Chairman, this is outrageous. The credibility of a witness. Louis. Louis. Please. Have you Mr. Chairman, this is intolerable harassment of the witness. What's wrong with that? You need your medication. You need your medication. Louis. He he went for it with that one. I I, I wasn't sure that Congressman Gomer. I I've known Congressman Gomer. And I've you know go we've I've interviewed him and stuff going back for years. He wasn't messing around. He went he went full Texas on him. He's like you sir are scummy. Uh, whatever however they would say that down in Texas. He was just like you are a scummy guy. But now I, I wouldn't necessarily go on with the whole like you cheated on your wife thing in that hearing just because I feel like that then makes people say well you know. Let's not make the no, which is a terrible thing, very immoral and bad. I'm just saying you're going to get a lot of people that say, "Oh, it's all personal now, right?" Don't turn Struck into a martyr, and I, and I, you know you don't want to push too far with some of this stuff. It does go to his credibility, but his credit, his professional credibility and his personal credibility are something that I think a lot of people would be willing to separate out, whether you agree with that or not. But here's my point about how Struck is shady. He got taken off the Mueller probe. Why? Taken off the Russian, uh, sorry, the Russian investigation. Why? If he didn't do anything wrong, now he's like doing HR duties. If, if there's no problem here, why did he get uh, taken off the most important political case the FBI was? Ha- of course, there's a problem. Of course, his conduct was disgusting. I was in a position where I was working with federal law enforcement. I had a BlackBerry device, and I knew that everything on that device was discoverable. Do you think it? Would I have ever sat there and been like, yeah, this terrorism suspect that, uh, you know, we, we've got on phone tap saying this and, and, and that or whatever. You know, I really hate this guy and I think we should find a way to get him even though the evidence isn't there. This is basically what Strzok said about, you know, what Strzok said about Trump. Hadn't, you know, they, they wanted to stop him. Hadn't interviewed any witnesses, didn't know anything about Russia collusion, but wanted to stop him. I, does he have to say the words like, I want to frame him? Does he have to actually say that for us to... You know, we're just you have a lot of Democrats, a lot of people left pretending to be really, really stupid because right now that's in there. That's that's a defense mechanism for them. Oh, we could bias. What's bias? I've never heard of bias. But Louie, producer Mike, Louis Louis being a little mean there, a little a little bit. He's being a little a little bit. He uh, he went he went full Texas on him there. He wasn't messing around. He wasn't 
He was kicking some dirt in his face, and he was slapping him with his Stetson. This is the this is the big leagues, Buck. You know, <laughs> that's right. He doesn't he ain't play he doesn't play no games. Um, we got more on this. I will get into the NATO stuff. People are the NATO stuff is just fun to talk about because of all the hysteria of the left. What I've been telling you all along that nothing will change. That's that's true. Nothing's going to change except maybe they're going to pay a little more money, which would be a good thing. Uh, eight. By the way, I haven't even given out the phone number of the show today because I've been so excited to talk to you all. Eight four four nine hundred. Two, eight, oh God, my voice is breaking. It's been one of those days. Pardon me. When a radio voice, uh, God, when a radio host has no voice anymore, it's like a painter without a paintbrush. It's so sad. Uh, eight hundred. I don't even. What's Mike? What's my number? It's been one of those days. We don't even. What was? Whatever. We'll 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 say the number in a moment. I'm actually I'm actually totally drawing a blank here for a second because my voice just cracked. I feel like a high school kid. We'll be right back. Okay, so in front of you have a, a one sheet of paper that was presented to you a few minutes ago, uh, and I'm going to just go to go to a date and then ask you to read your own words. <clears throat> March fourth, two thousand sixteen. You want me to read this? Yes, please. Yes, sir. OMG, he's an idiot. May fourth, two thousand sixteen. Now the pressure really starts to finish. Myee. July nineteenth, two thousand sixteen. Hi. How was Trump other than a douche? Melania. <laughs> July 21st, 2016. Oh, my God. Trump is a disaster. I have no idea how destabilizing his presidency would be. <laughs> That's like when, when Jimmy Kimmel does mean tweets, except that was that was uh, struck being made by uh, Congressman Issa to read his text messages about, <laughs> about Trump aloud. Trump is a douche. Oh, my gosh. Good talks. But we also, we do have uh, Representative Cohen talking about Struck deserving the Purple Art. We won't play that audio. Play 28. Mr. Strauss, I don't know where to start. Uh, I don't know if I could start. give you a Purple Heart, I would. I would. You deserve one. This has been an attack on you in a way to attack Mr. Mueller and the investigation that is to get at Russia collusion involved in our election. I could give you a purple heart. I would. Well, well, you can't and you shouldn't because the purple heart is for people who are wounded in the service of their country in combat. It is not for people that have to have mean FBI agents have mean questions. Oh, no. Oh, boy. What a, what a day. What a day down there. I got to say, it's really pretty amazing. Uh, oh, wait, one more thing before we get before we let, let the whole struck situation go. Struck explains a text message, and then claims he doesn't remember the text message. All in one sitting, 21. What's the it? Chairman we'll Gotti. stop it. Chairman Gotti, that text needs to be taken in the context I, I'm, of I'm Chairman asking, Gowdy, look, if you want to have a debate over a two-letter word, we're going to have to do that some all the time. What and who did you mean by it? Mr. Gowdy, as I've stated, that text was written late at night, in shorthand, I don't care when it was written. About. I don't care it's whether it was longhand, cursive. I don't care about any of that. I want to know what it meant, Agent Strzok. It would be his candidacy for the presidency. See, and my sense that the American it's, yeah, population it's not would not vote him into office. Right, right. Well, we hadn't gotten to the will yet. 
That's your testimony. The will stop it. You were speaking on behalf of the American people. Is that correct? Mr. Gowdy, what my testimony is and what I said during extensive asking of this question during my prior interview is I don't recall writing that text. I mean, I don't recall all the evasions, all the lies, all the nonsense. Struck is the poster boy for the deep state, my friends. Let's talk NATO coming up. I want to tell you about Strikeforce Energy. Strikeforce Energy is a product that comes in liquid packs available in four flavors that have no sugar, no calories, and are made with only the finest ingredients. It's so easy and gets you so fired up. You simply use your Strikeforce as an additive to 16 to 20 ounces of water, tea, lemonade, yogurt, even an ice-cold beer. And by the way, Strikeforce is a veteran-owned, operated, and American-made company that's really into helping the troops overseas as well. So I want to invite you to join Strikeforce in helping give back to America's troops. They have shipped millions of packets of Strikeforce to troops both at home and abroad. And now, for every single Strikeforce packet you buy, they will donate a packet to military members around the globe. Please go check them out. See for yourself. Go to StrikeforceEnergy.com. Enter discount code BUCK at checkout. That's StrikeForceEnergy.com, discount code BUCK at checkout. Fuel your fight and help our troops overseas with Strikeforce. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. Make, make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. This yeah. is, you well, know, okay, and again, fine. and I don't want to make light of this, but this kind of diplomacy looks like Hulk smash. Call Germany a captive of Russia yeah. is the most inflammatory language I can imagine. It's the latest example of how the Trump doctrine includes driving a wedge in the world order by upending Democratic-led institutions in place since after World War II. I think he went there determined to poke his allies and to demand not only more spending, but to insult Germany. What's going on here? Is there any possible reason to believe this is good for the world? I believe in NATO. I think NATO is a very important, probably the greatest ever done. But the United States was paying for anywhere from 70 to 90 percent of it, depending on the way you calculate. That's not fair to the United States. In addition to that, as you know, we're in negotiations with the EU and we're going to be meeting with them next week. We've been treated very unfairly on trade. Our farmers have been shut out of the European Union. Now, you could say they're different, but basically, to a large extent, they're the same countries. So uh, I think we're going to be ultimately treated fairly on trade. We'll see what happens. But I can tell you that NATO now is really a a fine-tuned machine. People are paying money that they never paid before. Uh, They're happy to do it. And the United States is being treated much more fairly. Welcome back, folks, to the Buck Sexton Show. You know, you, you get you get the Trump version of how this whole NATO thing went down, and, and you hear him at the press conference he gave. The media narrative was already written before he went there. The, the media was, they were going to say things like, he's driving a wedge in the world order. That's one of those phrases that journalists write that they think makes them sound smart, but is really meaningless. What is that even supposed to mean? And what is, what is that, you know, theoretically speaking, what is he trying, what are they trying to say with that? A wedge in the world order? Uh, it's so grandiose as to be worthless. And it's also not true. I, I have to laugh. And by the way, I 
released a little video on this today. You can see it's called our, our continuing series at Hill.TV, Buck Wild. It's on my Facebook page. I'm hoping all of you will watch it. Because otherwise, there's a conservative on the show and a progressive on the show. Who do you who do you want to have more views, the conservative or the progressive? I'm just saying, folks, it's in your hands. You know, let's not let the commies win. Uh, but you know, the, the 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 truth is that NATO is being shaken up a little bit here, which I think is a good thing. But you have Trump pushing for. More spending, obviously because he thinks NATO has a role and because he wants NATO to be more powerful and because he wants these European countries to be able to fend for themselves. I really don't want, you know, airborne to have to go in and and save the Latvians' butts or something. I really don't want that to have to happen. I'd much rather have Germany and hat tip David French for a, a very sound column on this today over National Review, but I mean, I'd much rather have Germany be more militaristic, which I know is a crazy thing, historically speaking, to say. Uh, the, the Germans have got to get a population of 80 million people, give or take. And, you know, they're right there on the rush, on, on Russia's doorstep. And they got a, mil- a total military right now of about 180,000. That's that's uh, a bit anemic, isn't it? I mean, when, when you think about the size of uh, the you know the, the Russian state, the Russian army, and and what they've got, and then you know you got the Germans with one hundred eighty thousand, and that's not like one hundred eighty thousand, you know, special forces, right? That's including everybody. I don't even know what the tooth to tail ratio of that military is in Germany, but I bet there are a lot of guys who are like on special beer house duty. I mean, I'm just saying, like, there's it's not all. They're not all door kickers, folks. So of that 180,000, what are we really talking about? And if you look at the readiness of uh, German armor divisions and uh, German uh, air force, it's not what it should be. And they are not ready for any kind of serious conflict. We spend about, uh, I think we, ca- we carry about 70% of the overall military spending of the entire NATO alliance. And yet the EU has a bigger, and I know the NATO and the EU are not synonymous, but they, we, they're pretty close, right? And Turkey's in NATO, right? I mean, there's some countries that are, some that are outside of this, but the EU has a bigger economy than the United States. So why are we spent, why are we covering 70% of the, of the military budget? I'm not saying of their budget, but why, why do we have to spend so much more? Why are we covering so much more ground than they do? Now, you can say Buckwood's a good thing. We want to be a superpower, but well, we really need to think about this a little bit. Why can't the uh, Euro- Europeans? Why should we be worried about the Russians going into Europe? Why can't a collective European security pact be enough to deter Russian aggression? And also, do we really think that Russia is about to uh, start a fight with a European state that's covered in Article uh, Article 5 of the uh, NATO Charter? I think the answer is quite honestly, obviously, no. It's not in Putin's. There's a difference between the, some of these uh, former Soviet states that Putin's messing around in now and some of these NATO-covered countries. You know, the flashpoints, the Baltics, I get it. There are some places where there might be some bad stuff happening. But Russia as boogeyman is one of the more dishonest switches in the foreign policy establishment that that I've seen in a long time. In fact, 
this is now it, it used to be whenever conservatives would push for policies to take the fight to the jihadists that say you're doing bin laden's work this is a, such a lazy construction you're doing bin laden's work are you doing al-qaeda's work for them because the root cause of jihadist terrorism was the fighting against it apparently now they do this uh, with Putin whenever they want to oppose some Trump foreign policy initiative. Now they'll say, "You're doing Putin's, you're doing Putin's work." Uh, play clip three, please. Donald Trump is the most vivid manifestation of the least attractive characteristics in the national character. We haven't been captured by Donald Trump. We have had our worst instincts affirmed, exacerbated, and put in front of the world. He could not be doing Putin's bidding more effectively if he were an active agent of Vladimir Putin and the KGB. It's all coming uh, to to fruition, and there is a basic reason why Putin wants to do it. In President Donald Trump, he has an American president who goes at NATO, hammer and tongs, and and in a sense does Putin's work for him. Look at this talking point, does Putin's work for him. Trump is over there saying, spend more on your militaries, guys, so you can kick Putin's butt yourself. And that's doing Putin's work for him? How does that make any sense? You know, this would be like, uh, you know, if you got a kid that's being bullied at school and you're training the kid how to punch the bully in the nose. They're like, why are you doing the bully's work for him? Stop teaching that kid to fight back. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we can keep threatening the bully and telling him to stop, but it's better if we teach the kid to defend himself, right? That's doing his work. It's just, it's on, it is on. Hinged, And, you know, Trump was saying that they're going to up their commitments. It's not going to happen today, but he's putting the pressure on them. Remember, they had this target of 2% of GDP, blah, blah, like 19 of the states already hit it or something, or 18 of them hit it, and 29 NATO countries, including Montenegro. Yay. Montenegro, which is, you know, militarily about as important as Secaucus, New Jersey. And and they uh, Secaucus is like, hey, leave us out of this, buddy. But... You got Trump over there and he's saying all this stuff and we should hear from him because he's actually the one that's engaged in trying to make things better. Play 10. We've had a very amazing two day period in Brussels and uh, we really accomplished a lot with respect to NATO. For years, presidents have been coming to these meetings and uh, talked about the expense, the tremendous expense for the United States, and uh, tremendous progress has been made. Everyone's agreed to substantially up their commitment. They're going to up it at levels that they've never thought of before. So he's saying they will up their commitment. We're not really quite sure yet. We're not really quite sure, but then it it really all depends on whether or not... uh, you believe that Trump knows what he's doing. He's a great negotiator. And maybe he even has a a particular way of describing himself. Play 12. We understand your message, but some people ask themselves, will you be tweeting differently once you board the Air Force One? Thank you. No, that's other people that do that. I don't. I'm very consistent. I'm a very stable genius. I want to, John, we need to hold that one for me because I'm a very stable genius. Yeah, I want to borrow that one for me going forward. You know, if anyone calls in and like challenges me too 
aggressively on the air. I'll be like, well, hold on a second. Excuse me, sir. I'm a very stable genius. Exactly. All right, let's not overdo it, John. John, John's getting a little aggressive with the drops there. Uh, but, yeah, I think, I think that uh, the president did well in NATO. He's in the U.K. right now. That'll be interesting. Uh, oh, but wait, on, the, on this point about Putin, I, I was getting into some of this, and I, I got diverted for just a moment. They keep wanting to ask if, if Putin is an enemy. And, it, you know, there, I have a, I've paused this on so many levels. I think they're, they're trying to bait the president. And if he said he's an enemy, they'd say, oh, oh, look what he's doing now. Yeah, Putin's a bad guy. There are a lot of bad guys. You know, the Saudi government doing bad things. The Saudis are bombing the, the daylights out of uh, the Yemenis right now. Really? with some really pretty reckless airstrikes going on. You know, you don't hear about it much here because we're like, yeah, we sold them the fancy planes and we like the Saudis. And look, you know what? If we're going to be really honest, Saudi's got oil. Yemen's got nothing. Yemen doesn't even have water. Yemen's running out of water as a country. But there are a lot of bad, a lot of bad dudes out there that we have to deal with. Enemy is a term you want to reserve for somebody you are actively fighting against, not somebody you have a disagreement with. And I know we have many disagreements with Russia, but, you know, here's, Trump, I think, handles the right way. He says Russia is a is a competitor. You could say that they are, you know, they are acting in opposition to some of our interests. I do. I think it is foolish. It is unwise to refer to them as an enemy. But the press tries to put Trump into a corner. They've been doing this in the beginning by saying, oh, he won't call him an enemy. So he won't call him an enemy. He must be Putin's puppet. Here's what Trump actually said about it. Play 13. Well, he's a competitor. He's been very nice to me the times I've met him. I've been nice to him. He's a competitor. You know, somebody was saying, is he an enemy? He's not my enemy. Is he a friend? No, I don't know him well enough. But the couple of times that I've gotten to meet him, we got along very well. You saw that. Um, I hope we get along well. I think we get along well. Uh, but ultimately, he's a competitor. He's representing Russia. I'm representing the United States. So, in a sense, we're competitors. You know, I think, I think that's a completely reasonable position for the president to have. And, and for all the people that play this game, and I, I, I'm one of the ones out there that's, I'm not the only one, but I'm one of the ones out there that's, that's beating the drum on this one. If you're going to call Russia an enemy, you better damn sure be ready to call China an enemy, too. Oh, look at that. Why aren't, why aren't all these journalists saying, you know, Xi Jinping, is, is he your enemy? Is he your enemy? China. China. Exactly. China is a bigger threat. And forget about some Facebook sock puppets and nonsense that you know, they're exaggerating about the election interference. Yeah, they interfered, but didn't, it didn't change anything. It wasn't that, it wasn't that impactful. Which is a word I don't really like. I'm not even sure it's really a word. Uh, China has been stealing us blind with, uh, you know, the the intellectual property theft that they've been engaged in. They've been uh, stealing our military secrets. They've they've been stealing everything they can. I mean, that's really China is engaged in a constant campaign of the most aggressive cyber espionage. And it's it's been going on for decades. They're they're ripping off our companies. They're ripping off our people. They're doing all this bad stuff. And. We're so Russia is such a bigger concern for us. Why exactly? So I need all these smarty pants out there saying, oh, Putin's an enemy. Why won't Trump say Putin's an enemy? Why, why isn't Xi Jinping an enemy? Xi Jinping, who actively threatens, and there's a credible threat of invasion of a U.S. ally, the People's Republic of Taiwan, or the Republic, not the People's Republic, the Republic, sorry, the Republic of Taiwan. 
Won't even let us talk about Taiwan. Like, act like it doesn't exist. Taiwan's a U.S. ally, folks. And, and, the, and the Chinese one day think they're going to take it. They're, they're planning on it. So we got a very real problem about it. You know, this isn't a theoretical invasion. This is just a when it happens invasion, most likely. And we're committed to defend Taiwan, right? So someone explained to me why Russia's, oh, because Putin, oh, I'm sorry, Putin jails journalists. Do they, do they know anything about, about human rights in China? Do they know anything about what happens? Jails journalists. I mean, that's, at least there is an opposition press in Russia. At least guys like Alexei Navalny exist. Yeah, this is, we're, we're getting our information from imbeciles, unfortunately, because imbeciles are the ones that have, you know, connived their way into these places on the Sunday shows and these different, you know, broadcast networks, and they just don't know anything. It's like I said, I, I'm so sick of seeing these multimillionaire TV journalists who I really honestly believe haven't read a serious book, in ten, a, a book that either they or their buddies didn't have ghosts written in 10 years, at least. Oh, John, I'm talking trash about the mainstream media. I was having too much fun. All right, all right. We have to go to a quick break. 844-900-2825. See, I remember my own number. 844-900-BUCK. Light up those lines. What do you think about all this? China, Russia, bigger threat. We'll be right back. These days, you just don't know what you're dealing with, especially if you're trying to handle uh, people sending you resumes online, people that want to rent your property. You've never met them. You probably don't get a chance to meet them, and you just want to make sure that you're running your business with the best information possible, right? Global Verification Network has your back. They are the best background investigation and vetting company in the business. It's also the only dual-certified veteran-owned company that does these kinds of investigations. The headquarters is in Chicago. All of their risk mitigation experts are U.S.-based. All of their servers are U.S.-based. You can trust them to handle your case with care, and you can make sure that they will pick up the phone. You can be sure that every time you call them, you'll get somebody who will actually answer. Call 877-695-1179. That's 877-695-1179. Or go to mygvn.com. Again, that's mygvn.com. Why is President Trump so admiring of Vladimir Putin? Have you figured this out? You see all the intelligence. It's either his general fondness for dictatorial figures, or it may be that the Russians have something over his head, uh, that the Russians have been laundering money through his businesses, or there's some other leverage the Russians have. Some other leverage they have. This is the, you know, oh, they've, they've got the they've got like the P tapes or something. This is the press still plays this game. Some other leverage. We can't find out what it is. Never going to find it out. But some other leverage. Gunner up in Providence, Rhode Island. What do you think about this nonsense? Hey, Buck Shields. Hi. Hey, um, it drives me crazy. But uh, on, a, on a different subject, uh, just briefly, uh, I think. If, if we're going to capitalize on this uh, red tide of Trump enthusiasm, we got to stop letting seats in uh, state and local government go unchallenged. I know uh, in Rhode Island there, there are numerous seats that, that, you know, don't get filled, you know, from dog catcher on up. And, you know, we gotta, we got to be more aggressive about uh, 
filling those things because the left is doing it all the time and we know which way they want to take the country. So you're saying make sure, I mean, we're already doing pretty well in terms of elected office, my friend, but you want us, you want us to even have conservative dog catchers. From the bottom up, man, we got to. Hey, God knows, um, you know, it, for, for those guys that, that, you know, just don't get involved because they don't feel like they have the experience, even the, the, the dog catcher is a good move, you know, for someone that's just trying to, you know, make a difference and, and you know, help the country out. Well, hey, I'm all about people getting involved. So, and by the way, Gunner, it's a cool name, man. Is it is it is it because of like uh, like the you know the Scandinavian like Gunnar or is it like Gunner like machine Gunner? No, my dad was in the field artillery. So nice, that's the right answer. Part of the cannon crews, the Gunners. So. Awesome. Well, tell him thank you, thank him for his service from all of us here on Team Buck and uh, Shields. Hi to you, Gunner. Thanks for calling in. Ah oh, man, show's flying by today. What I like, what I like to have happen. We can uh, third hour. We'll get into some other stuff too. Maybe a stormy, a stormy Daniels update. That's going to be fun. And uh, whatever your thoughts are, eight four four nine hundred two eight two five eight four four nine hundred buck. Don't forget, Freedom Hunt podcast is out this week tomorrow morning. And Coulter is the guest. He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. You know, I was mentioning uh, foolish virtue signaling before. And this is one of these things that it's, it's not important, but it is important. Okay. What is it with when you, you move into a, you know, a new place, house, apartment, whatever, and you get all these localities and municipalities now where they, they have these water restrictor shower heads where it feels like, I, I you know, it, it, it feels like you're standing under like a, like a dripping faucet when you want to get, you want to get clean, you want to shower. I, I'm into cleanliness, right? Cleanliness is an important thing. So they really think that, that the water we're saving from the shower in a place like I'm in the swamp here in D.C., there's water everywhere, right? They really think they need to do this? So I took it upon myself to get a shower head. And it reminds me of the Seinfeld episode where they're really into this too. But I got it like one of these big shower. I replaced it, got the big shower head. And, and then I thought it was hilarious is my giant shower head actually comes with a voluntary restrictor that you can put into it. And I'm going to be like, who does that? Who buys the giant, I could wash an elephant with this thing shower head, right? I mean, I could... I could knock over filthy hippie protesters at 20 yards with this shower head. And and then I'm going to put a restrictor in it? To me this is like this would be like buying a Ferrari and then making sure that the, you know, the speedometer, you know, you, you couldn't go above like 50. What's the point, man? Why get the Ferrari of shower heads and then put it's for the it's for the the visual aesthetics? You want to look you want to look like you're getting a good shower but not actually feel crazy to me man it's crazy and now that thing i'm telling you i could i could blast a dozen antifa guys right out onto the sidewalk with my shower head now it's amazing it's amazing it's one of the best decisions i've made in a long time you know i i I gotta celebrate the small victories 
You got to celebrate the little things in life. But I can't believe they even they even sell self-imposed shower restrictors because usually it's like you move into a building or you move into a house and they're already there and you know they you know what what's they they do they want do they want me to be the smelly kid in the class do they want me to not be able to you know this hair folks the swoop it's really labor intensive you gotta really get in there and you gotta wash that sucker out or else little animals will come flying out of there and stuff it's bad i gotta really get in there but yeah, so that's that was my that was last weekend. Most exciting thing I did all weekend. Got my big shower head, and now I I went from a twenty two to a hydro howitzer, and I'm very proud of myself. There's I'm gonna do this is now. But all of you listening, I'm telling you, if you're like my shower, my water pressure is not great. This is what you should do. And if you're in California, they may this may be like a, a criminal offense for you. I don't know, uh, but it might be worth it because. That shower is way better. Uh, speaking of criminal offense, apparently love in America and baseball is now a criminal offense because in the liberal left's hysteria, uh, hysteria and in their unhinged effort to find some rationalization for their crazy opposition to Judge Brett Kavanaugh, even comedians like Stephen Colbert are like, his name is Brett. I mean, that's how pathetic this is. You know, the, the Washington Post any day now is going to run a story, you know, Brett Kavanaugh once jaywalked and didn't feel guilty about it. I mean, there's going to be, they're just, there's no level of absurdity they won't run to. But you know who got in on the action? Making fun of the media's craziness here? Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell. Play 25. In a breaking news bombshell report breaking just last night, bombshell. we learned that Judge Kavanaugh enjoys America's pastime. Yes, he does. Investigative reporters Brr. scoured his financial disclosures Scour. and learned that he and his friends buy tickets to baseball games. Baseball. And that he pays his bills. It's a scandal. He buys baseball tickets. That's right. He he buys... he They, they ran a story... On Kavanaugh buy season tickets to the Washington Nationals here in D.C. and then pays it off. This is like scandal. Man can't afford home in cash, so gets mortgage and pays mortgage off on time and owns home. I don't understand. Where is the scandal? This is the best they've got. They're gonna they're gonna have to do a lot better than this, but. Don't forget that he was a frat boy, too, and drank beer at one point. That's right. He was a frat boy. He drank beer. Producer Mike, I heard I heard rumors he might have even attended a toga party. A toga party! What a, what a horrific appropriation of ancient Greek culture. You know? Socrates is spinning in his grave right now. Socrates! Spinning in his grave. Very upset over all this. I mean, the, the Kavanaugh opposition is, as I've been saying, it's really just rooted in the fact that now, now liberals are are going to lose their favorite legislative tool, which is the Supreme Court. That, that's what's really happening here. Oh no, what are they going to do now? Uh, but but the the stories they're running on this are just it is laughable. Um, although I also have to wonder: is the press now have they? Have they realized that they no longer have the respect of, of a lot of the American people, so they just don't care anymore? Sometimes I, I feel like they're not even trying. Like, they're just, 
they're like, yep, we're propagandists. We're playing for the we're we're doing this for the home team and nothing else really matters. Maybe that's where we maybe that's where it's all really heading. Uh, so we will we will see. Uh, but I'm I'm thinking Kavanaugh's gonna be just fine in this confirmation process. Um so there you have it. By the way, a little bit of uh this just caught my eye. This is in the just caught my eye side of things. You know, there's a, there's a swamp, but there's also the establishment. The establishment's a problem in both parties because the establishment gets gets just lazy and full of itself and wants to wants to uh, self perpetuate. And I thought this was interesting. A little bit of discord among the liberal left, which I'm always happy to see. Right, I want as much squabbling on the left as possible. I want intramural partisan warfare all over the place. I want a discombobulated Democrat message going into the midterm so that we hold the House and the Senate. But Ms. Ocasio-Cortez, who is the uh, the darling of the left-wing media right now because she beat this guy Crowley, who was the fourth most powerful Democrat uh, in the, you know, in the House. Uh, and and Crowley is a guy who, by the, I, I'll be honest with you, I never really even thought about this guy or seen a photo of him until he lost this election, but he's been in that Congress forever. That's one funny thing about DC, too. You meet people, and this happened last night. I was actually out, which I rarely am here. You meet people that are like, well, I work for Congressman so-and-so. And I'm like, there's basically 20 or 30 Congresspersons that we all kind of know. Maybe some of you are like, eh, Bucket's more like 50. There are 435 members of the House, right? There's a a lot. There's a lot of these people running around, and a lot of them I never heard of before. But in D.C., it's all, well, I work for Congressman so-and-so. Great. (laughs) Woo! Exactly, exactly. Give me some some clapping on that one. But so uh, Alexander, Ocasio, rather, Ocasio-Cortez has accused... Crowley of starting a third party challenge against her. This is what we really need, by the way. We need to have Democrats causing problems among Democrats. This is usually something you only see on the right. We have this civil war in the GOP, got these crazy never Trumpers and fake GOP, faux GOP people that are coming out of the woodwork left and right, all that stuff. And what we need are left-wing folks to be showing up and and causing problems for each other uh, so that we don't have to do all the work ourselves. And that's what I like to see here. That's what needs to be happening. So here you get the progressive left and the socialist radical left getting into a bit of a fight. I like it. I want more of it. And if possible, I want to encourage it. Be great to see uh, see this happening here. So I'm, I'm hoping that's also symptomatic of broader problems within because think about what it's going to be like the day after the Democrats realize that Trump not only is going to stay in office for, oh, no, not just two more years, six more years, but uh, we maintain the House and the Senate. I, th- that day is going to be sweet. I have to think about how we're going to celebrate that here in the hut. I don't want to overpromise. It might not happen. Or, you know, we might lose a couple Senate seats or whatever. Man, you know, might lose control of the house, then they'll start all the crazy impeachment proceedings and everything. So I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing. I'm just saying it's. I like to look forward and, and look to some happy, happy times that could be ahead. Uh, 
there's something else that uh, I didn't get a chance to. I don't know. We, we could talk about, I guess I've talked a little bit about Nicaragua here on the show. I can't remember which show I talk about some things on. That was the morning show, the night show. I'm always doing shows now. I can't keep it all straight. The day show, the night show, this show, the that show. Um, I think I talked about Nicaragua here. I find that interesting. We haven't done immigration much in a few days, so we might get into some of that. We do have a Stormy Daniels update in the third hour. John is our Stormy Daniels uh, special correspondent, producer John. So, John, we're going to have to have you weigh in on that one. What do we think about the latest Stormy saga? I also want, I want to know how much money she's making from this whole thing. She's gotten millions of dollars. I and mean, if you're a PR person, Stormy Daniels has like, won the PR lottery by getting all this coverage on CNN and everything else. She's now the most famous adult film star in the country. For whatever that's worth. I, I mean, it is worth a lot of money. I mean, I'm not talking about worth in the more existential sense of things. 844-900-2825. If you want to chat, 844-900-BUCK. Big, huge third hour coming up. We'll be right back. What's the role of misogyny here? Uh, does Merkel remind him of Hillary? Uh, does that help explain the Theresa May issue? Uh, he does not have a particularly uh, healthy relationship, it seems, with a lot of strong women. That's right, folks. Trump, Trump is bad on NATO because misogyny. Just in case you, you needed John Meacham to weigh in there, isn't he? He's like the author, right? He writes uh, biographies of different presidents, I think. He is not a good TV analyst. He says a lot of very platitudinous liberal claptrap on TV. Uh, not insightful at all and boring. But he's written a bunch of books that people read and so on, on presidents. Past. He's a historian, Buck. He's yes, a presidential he's, historian. He he's a historian, a presidential historian. They had one of those at CNN, too, but he wrote books that nobody read, but they still made a big deal of them because his dad was a famous media figure who was buddies with all the CNN executives. Some of you will figure out who that is. Books that nobody like knows or reads. They'd have them on like, explain to us, presidential historian. And then, you know, hey, what's up? Uh, it's pretty funny. By the way, you know, Republicans also given Trump a hard time over the NATO thing. I don't know. I don't know what. I don't really know what Paul Ryan's deal is right now. Play uh, play five. I subscribe to the view that we should not be criticizing our president while he's overseas. But let me say a couple of things. Uh, NATO is indispensable. It's as important today as it ever has been. My concern is that we have a bad NATO meeting and then uh, some kind of consolation is given to Putin. And, and again, it just continues to, to de- destabilize something that's already fraught with uh, concerns by our partners. Yep. You got Republicans that are piling on here, too. I don't know why they have to make life more difficult for the president on this issue. I I think they have nothing really constructive to add. I think they're just being I think they're just being kind of annoying on it. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, You know what? There's nothing that happened with this NATO thing. That's a big. Okay, Trump said, you know, I could pull out or unilaterally. He's not going to do anything. Everyone needs to calm down about this stuff. But it's tough to get people to calm down there. There's a uh, an interesting tweet that's been making the rounds gone somewhat viral from a gentleman named noah smith i don't know him he's uh, some kind of a i don't know some kind of a journalist or something here i'll, I'll find out I, I shouldn't just cite him on the air and not know who is who is this guy he is because i think this is really instructive about oh bloomberg opinion editor 
Okay, so he's got kind of a big job. I don't even know. There you go. He wrote the following today, though. And this is, wow, my voice is really in rough shape right now. He wrote the following. Since I turned 18, I have witnessed the stolen 2000 election, 9-11, the never-ending war on terror, the Iraq war, the housing bust, the Great Recession, the election of Trump, Nazis marching in the streets, my whole country going insane. Please tell me it gets better. Now, look, there are some things on that list that are obviously objectively very bad and led to very bad things. But that is a narrative of, uh, and, and I'm assuming that this, this, this guy and I are about the same age, based on when he says he's, you know, since I turned 18. Um, I'm guessing we're probably almost exactly the same age. And I got to say, uh, this narrative of events here, this, this dour view of America and what's going on, is so commonplace among all these liberals. And I, I think to myself, it, it's crazy to me. America is the best, richest, freest country on the planet in the history of the planet. And it's actually better. It's been better in the last, I don't know, some of you are going to argue, they buck when I was your age. Okay, fine. But in terms of things that we can measure, life expectancy, health outcomes, food, money, I mean, you know, there's, it's better than it's ever been. People just like to think. People just like to think that, uh, you know, it's fun to tell their friends how tough they've got to. Everyone thinks they're hashtag resistance now because their avocado toast is so expensive. I, that's just what's going on. It's an amazing time to be alive. Things are actually great. And the fact that they can't accept that things are so great while Trump is president is part of all of this. Right. The, the, the election of Trump going on the same list as 9-11 is just astonishing isn't it but this is not i'm telling this guy noah smith he is putting down into words here he's writing down what the liberal left actually thinks they think the election of trump is a travesty along the lines of the uh, you know the great recession 9 11 the worst stuff the worst stuff that is i mean just the fact this guy's an opinion editor thinks the election in 2000 was stolen there was no way uh, I don't want to get into that. But see, that's another lie, another myth that liberals tell themselves to make themselves feel better at night. Boy, um, I'm going to play a little Victor Davis Hanson when we come back just to kind of right the ship here. You know what I mean? Just to get us in the right frame of mind. And then we'll have some fun talking about the Stormy Daniels case because that's the thing that's happening. And we got some roll call. Oh, my Ann Coulter interview. By, that's the big Freedom Hut podcast thing this week. Freedom Hut podcast will be up tonight on Stitcher or... Apple Podcast Store. Type in The Freedom Up with Buck Saxon. It goes up tonight, everybody. I need you to listen to it. Check it out. Germany just cut a deal with Russia for $400 billion. As I said, we had Barack Obama, remember, in Seoul, South Korea, saying in a hot mic conversation that he would be flexible after the election and basically dismantled uh, U.S. Uh, your Eastern European missile defense so that uh, Putin wouldn't do something that would impinge on his re-election bid. It was a classic case of, in some ways, collusion. So that, that's, just, that's just on hinge. It doesn't make any sense. And it's part of this pathological Mueller investigation that uh, they can't let go of. The more and more tenuous it becomes. 
Who does Victor Davis Hanson, one of the top conservative intellectuals in the country, who does he sound like in that interview, folks? Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to take a, you know, I'm not trying to take an early bow here or anything, but who does he sound like with his pathological Mueller probe discussion? Who, who does he remind you of? Perhaps maybe I remind you of Victor Davis Hanson, which would be quite a compliment to me. The man is, is absolutely brilliant. Uh, and on this, he's absolutely correct as well. He he's saying that this this they are unhinged. This whole Mueller collusion, Russia probe is completely. It's it's insane. And I, I keep telling you now that I've I, I've reached a new level ever since I, I had the chance to really sit down. I've had a couple of long conversations with Carter Page. This this whole narrative, the New York Times, these others running around saying that there was a there was a there was a FISA warrant in the Washington Post. There's a FISA warrant out on Carter Page and. You know, he's he might be an agent of a foreign power. This is this is crazy. This is crazy, and and the media is they bought into this. They they constructed it. They they ran with it for a year. And in, he also mentioned there in that in that little soundbite we played for you, uh, Hanson mentioned. Sorry, when I say Hanson, I think mm, bop, 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 boom. Remember that. Producer Mike and John, do not lie to me. You guys listened to some Hanson back in the day. John's going to say no because I know John. Mike, Hanson, come on. There was a time. We're like, this, we're like the same age, dude. You listen to some. Oh, you you got nothing? Fine. Fine. Be that way. But I, I remember Hanson, the, the three brothers with very long hair for no apparent reason. like Like Nirvana long. Not Nirvana. Yeah, didn't Kurt Cobain have long hair? Or am I thinking about Duran Duran? Maybe Duran. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Uh, where was I? You guys know that Drake has seven of the top songs in the country right now. What is wrong with American culture? Is that that's? I'm, I don't hate Drake. Like some of his songs are kind of catchy, and you know, when I want to seem cool in front of Miss Molly, I'm like, yeah, put on the Drake. But and then she's like, you're a dork. Don't do that. Go go listen to your opera music while you write commie bear scripts in the study. Not that that happens. That's not a thing that happens. Uh, but I just think we could do better than seven of the ten top songs in the country are all one artist who a lot of his songs kind of sounds the same. I'm I'm getting off the uh, I'm getting off the track here for a second though. So so Hanson's talking about the Russia collusion thing, and one other part of this, and I'm going to be waging a one man campaign as I am on many issues, but to uh, to set the record straight on this, the notion that Trump is so soft on Russia compared to Obama uh, and compared to what the Obama administration is doing is a, is a lie. It's a very pernicious, widespread lie. Remember, the Obama administration only really got a little tough with Russia after Hillary lost the election. Well, what a shock. It's a lot easier to look like you're the big tough guy screaming things at the other guy as you're leaving the bar, right? The Obama administration was on the way out. You know, they were, the, they were yelling, hold me back, hold me back. You know, I'm going to get you, Russia. Because Trump was the guy walking into the bar who was going to have to handle them next. I, I still, I sit here and you know, all these, especially these, uh, these conservative never-Trumpers that I know, or these, whatever, Republican never-Trumpers, some of them have, have completely you, you turn in your credentials like you turn in your GOP badge metaphorically speaking once you start saying I want the Democrats to win because if you want the Democrats to win 
You don't care about being pro-life. You don't care about cutting back the regulatory state. You don't care about securing our borders. You know, you, you, you don't care about the damage that's being done economically to Americans across the country day in and day out by these stupid redistribution, uh, redistributive policies of the left. Like, never mind the whole identity politics and the pulling us apart at the seams and the dissolution of America as a cohesive polity through the politics of intersectionality and 37 genders and all the rest of it. You, 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 you can you can abstain. You can criticize Trump all you want. But if you tell me you want Demo- if you tell me you're rooting for Democrats and voting for Democrats, you are no longer you're definitely no longer a conservative. And I don't think you're a Republican anymore. And I love how they put these people on TV and they keep putting them on uh, uh, as as a GOP strategist or G- and and it's just such a game to them. Right. It's so obvious what's going on. It really, really frustrates me. But on, on the uh, on the Russia issue. It's like we've forgotten what Obama's foreign policy was really like. Obama's foreign policy was talk a lot, do very little, let the bad guys get advantages all over the world, and have the media write about how you're so eloquent when you give speeches at the U.N. That was Obama's foreign policy. And I know the bowing and, and the, the apology tour in Cairo. That didn't get us very far, did it? A lot of terrorism, if you recall. A lot of jihadism. Under the Obama administration, the rise of the Islamic State, tens of thousands of people murdered, mutilated, raped, terrible things going on in Iraq and Syria. You know, but Barack Obama was. He sounded he sounded savvy at the United Nations. That was the most important thing to the editorial board of The New York Times. That's what they wanted. People to know that's what they thought was important. Meanwhile, you look at who's got when did Russia really start throwing its weight around? When did you have the referendum in Crimea, which people say I know was corrupt and everything else, but, you know, when did you have it? I think if you actually had a real referendum in Crimea, I don't know, right? I haven't been there. I don't have on-the-ground experience. There are some places where I can speak with a tremendous amount of authority because uh, I've had a lot of not just time there but also access to High level, the highest level information. And it was one of the nice things about what I did in the in the agency is on Iraq and Afghanistan. I mean, I there was nothing that I wasn't able to see that I wanted to see, so that was a good thing. Uh, but you know, Crimea, I just I know from what I study and read. And do I think that the that the Crimea probably wanted to become part of the Russian Federation? Yeah, it doesn't surprise me actually. I know that the referendum may have been rigged and bad and all the other stuff, but point is that that happened under the Obama administration. The stealth invasion, the quasi-invasion of eastern Ukraine by Russia happened under the Obama administration. Obama allowed Russia to swoop in and save the Assad regime from what looked like an imminent collapse. I mean, there was a point, I think it was back in about 2012 or maybe 2013, where they were getting suicide bombers near Assad's inner circle. I mean, it was that guy's days were numbered. And then Russia came in with air power and Spetsnaz and Intel help. You know, whatever you read about when you're when you're talking about the Russians and their assistance to uh, to Syria, to the Assad regime. I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg, folks. There's a lot more going on there. But as I said to you, I just I have to keep hitting this point, especially as we're talking about NATO and all this other stuff. The Obama administration's legacy of foreign policy was failure in every place that mattered around the globe. And Russia is no exception. In fact, Russia is a case in point. 
And to talk about how Trump is Putin's puppet and all this stuff is just it's it's rewriting history. It's dishonest. It's disingenuous. And the media has I'm worried because I think they've gotten pretty far in rewriting what Obama did so that they can get away with making it seem like Trump is terrible on Russia when the reality is Obama is Obama and his people were in no condition, no place whatsoever to criticize anyone's Russia policy. Based on where Americans stand on the issues, and Americans have really moved in a much more progressive direction over the years, do you think it's appropriate to continue to take such a, a strict originalist um, view of the Constitution, given it's, it's 2018 and not 1776? I mean, it's like totally like... So much later than 1770 in 1776. Like, no, producer Mike, don't make fun of me. I'm being serious. Like, like all these guys were like wearing these like wigs and they were like walking around in these like silly little like waistcoat things and these little like ridiculous like man stockings. And it's crazy. They didn't even have the Internet or like phones. Yeah, that's right. This is this is jurisprudence from a rising star over at MSNBC. Because the country has moved in like a more progressive direction recently, like maybe the Constitution, like taking an originalist, all an originalist perspective means for the bajillionth time is what do these words on this page mean? When they wrote them, what, what were they intended to mean? Right. What what does this say? And when people say, oh, Buck, but then, you know, the road about, you know, a militia and like a musket is not an AR-15, everything. No, no, no. Well, that's why we're, tra- we're talking about protecting rights and the role of government and the relationship between citizen uh, and government and how the government functions, what was intended and what can, you know, what can we take from that? If, if that is not your jurisprudence, Ms. Katie Turr, I need to know then what is. And I think the answer is what we've seen, which is whatever they want it to be. That's why Roe is Roe v. Wade is really a a double whammy for the other side, because it's not only. And I'm very disappointed to see some of the people that even on the right don't seem to get this. I don't you know, I'm 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 disappointed. That's all I will say. Uh, But but Roe isn't just about. A, a creating a, a constitutional right to abortion and the uh, terrible fallout from that just unthinkably immoral decision by seven judges decades ago, although that's the most important thing. But it's not only that. There's also the wholesale conjuring. I mean, the, the creation, the, fa- the the fabrication of a constitutional right when one does not exist and this you cannot find a more obvious and indefensible example of legislating from the bench than roe v wade it's not even just that they they created an implied right from the constitution they created an implied right to then create an implied right under the implied right they had just created you have this right to privacy, and within this right to privacy, you have the right to an abortion. It's it's really just, as I said, it's it's indefensible. It is indefensible. As, as a question of law, if words have meaning, and we can understand that meaning, Roe is unacceptable. 
uh, and and it's also a moral a moral travesty. But I just think you know Katie Turt, like I mean, like the Constitution. And I told you, you had uh, Ezra Klein not long ago. It's like, well, the Constitution is like you know the thing. But the problem with the Constitution is it's like really really old. Yeah, it's really old. So are the Ten Commandments. There are plenty of things that are really old that still make a lot of sense today. Uh, there are. There are things that people figured out quite a while ago. Not all knowledge is new, folks, as we as we well understand here in the Freedom Hut. Uh, but it is, it is just amazing, isn't it? The what, what do they? I I know I sound like what do they teach the kids in school these days? But really, what what are they teaching people? But then I think even to my own education and how much time I had to spend, I ended up having to do. I was originally going to be a a law, jurisprudence, and social thought major, which is just a highfalutin way of saying pre-law. They called it LJST at Amherst. It was this, you know, colleges have their idiosyncrasies. We had some, and one of them was this. We had this department. It wasn't political science because it was more specific to the practice of law. It was was pre-law, but we just called it something fancy sounding for no apparent reason. Uh, But I would go into these lecture classes and would be told things and say, well, that's just not true. I'd have to do the reading on my own. And thank heavens the internet existed at the time and I was able to find, uh, you know, Thomas Sowell. I was able to find uh, Krauthammer and, and Goldberg and, you know, National Review and the writings of Buckley and the writings of Joseph Sobrun. And, you know, I, I was able to find this and, and understand what, what was true. I mean, not just have an opposite, not just understand the opposition, but understand what was actually true. Um. But I had to do a lot of it on my own. And you you see this with the Katie Chair. I mean, part of it, yes, it is funny. She's like, oh, my gosh, like, because we went this progressive, like, is it an originalist philosophy? I will say this. At least she's making an argument. There are a lot of people out there. I mean, there's this argument. You're seeing oppo research on Kavanaugh that says things like he bought expensive baseball tickets on a credit card, spent lots of money, fine, and then paid it off. So what's the problem? <laughs> like, they're, they're, it's, this is like the Marco Boats thing all over again, right? Remember Marco Rubio? Uh, Marco Rubio riding around in his incredible sea chariot, this, this ridiculous yacht practically landing helicopters on it. And then you saw a photo of it, and you're like, yeah, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a decent fishing boat, you know? If you were a guy who would, like, put in the hours at the office and, you know, you... Maybe you got one kid in one kid uh, out of college, and maybe only one more tuition to pay. You know, you you might get yourself a a boat like the one that Marco had. You know, it wasn't anything. I think the total price tag. Those of you who have boats, know what I'm talking about. The total price tag was like sixty or seventy thousand dollars, which for boats is that's not a lot, right? That's that's. Uh, I mean, uh, there are people who. Well, gosh, what is a what is a new a new jet ski? I think costs like fifteen grand or something. So yeah, this is. But the stuff they're saying about Kavanaugh just goes to show you they're they're so desperate. But they're oh oh the other one is that he belonged to a secret society or a fraternity when he was at Yale where you know they like drank a lot. He's basically a frat. He was a frat brother. Is that now disqualification? They've they've completely lost their minds. They really have. There's there's nothing. There's no way to reason with them anymore. There's no way to uh, reach them. It is just all about trying to trying to scrape together some kind of win for the left. I, I, I can't even really look. I, I, I do a show every day here and, and we managed to actually have a civil conversation. And one of the things I'll say on, on my 
Hill.TV show, which I'm hoping many of you will check out. Hill.TV slash rising if you want to watch it. And but remember, you don't have to watch it live. You can watch it anytime throughout the day. It's, it's on demand. It's digital viewing. Watch it whenever you want. But one of the things I have to say is that I, I, I disagree with Crystal so much. Um, it is amazing that we're able to be as civil to each other as we are. Right? Because we're not close on these issues. And she's very representative of the progressive left. Uh, you know, we are personally close, but we are not close on the issues at all. We do not. We agree on, I'd say, 10% of, of political issues, maybe maybe 5% of political issues, you know. And uh, we don't even really agree, agree. We just kind of, you know, everything else is just other side of the spectrum. And that's the way it is right now. And you see it even when they're talking about jurisprudence. You see it when they're talking about Supreme Court nominees. We, we are, we're not fighting over who has the upper hand on the common ground. We are fighting over completely different intellectual continents i mean we, we are separated by an ocean here and I, I find the whole thing very troubling yeah katie chair yeah it's like the constitution's like really old and like it was written by a bunch of like old dead white dudes and so like maybe we shouldn't just pay such close attention to it oh uh, well you know maybe maybe she's on maybe she's on to something uh, there is that um i want to uh we're, we're going to get into Roll call here in just a moment. But first, we do have a very important Stormy Daniels update for you. So stick around for that. Team, it is rare that I will talk to you about uh, Stormy Daniels here on the show. Uh, I'm assuming there are already bars across the country. You know, dark and stormy is a drink. I'm assuming now they've made a Stormy Daniels beverage. That's probably going to become a very popular, popular item at at various uh, saloons. But uh, Stormy Daniels is a porn star, and the CNN commentariat, they think they're journalists, but they're really commentary people who just don't have the chops to really engage in open debate, so they hide behind, I'm just a journalist, man. I'm just the facts. Uh, but they've made Stormy Daniels a, a household name, more of a household name than she already was in some households. I'm not, I'm not casting aspersions, folks. I don't know who. Some of you out there may have been familiar. I'm... Some of you may have been familiar with her work. You know, maybe Bob in accounting sent an email with a little bit of a Stormy Daniels finest, and you're like, whoa, don't make me call HR on you, Bob. Uh, but Stormy Daniels is monetizing all of the media coverage that she has gotten. And somehow she managed to get national news coverage once again yesterday for being arrested while performing at an Ohio strip club. Michael Avenatti who is who who ambulance chasers look at and say that guy seems slimy michael avenatti decided that he was also going to get in on the action different kind of action and and he said this arrest was politically motivated and reeks of desperation now we're talking about an ohio strip club we shouldn't be talking about anything reeking uh nonetheless she was uh she was arrested as i understand it because she had physical contact with patrons. Now, uh, is producer Mike there? I want to put this one on him. Producer Mike, where are you? He pro- uh, there you are. I, correct me if I am wrong, but, a, but an exotic dancer is, in fact, often required to have physical contact with patrons. I believe they refer to this as a lap dance. I've heard that. I've heard, right? You've heard it. I've heard, I've heard mm-hmm. stories about this yeah. from people in places where they have done such things. Yeah, at jiggle They're, joints. 
there there might there might even be you know bachelor parties where people engage in said behavior mm-hmm. where they go and they pay for the entertainment of uh ladies to be disrobed and as you said jiggling things in front of them um <laughs> n- n- but why would she be arrested for this though mike i will say you know usually avenatti i think is a shameless huckster but on this point i i say to myself there must be something else going on here with stormy because what are the chances i how often do strippers get arrested for touching clients yeah that's not often you know lot, i mean I, i'm lot, trying a lot to of strippers get, would be in jail if that was the case i'm trying to get to the bottom of this conspiracy we might have to send producer john to do some undercover work here mm-hmm. and figure out just what is going on here and uh ohio has a law that uh you can't um have physical contact with a stripper unless it's a family member or someone who's nude or something like that. I don't know. Unless it's a f- what? I, I, I They have a weird law in Ohio. John, I it guess. just went off the rails in yeah. a big way there. <laughs> yeah. Unless yeah, it's they, a family member. They, yeah, I, I guess you, you can't touch someone who is nude in a uh, public place or something. I don't know. Something like that is the law. All right. In, in well, well, John, why... you just you just talked yourself out of uh, out of any any <laughs> field trip that anybody could send you on to do reporting. Yeah. You know, but but thank you for the update on the actual law in Ohio. So I guess that's what it was. I just I saw this last night and I couldn't help but think to myself, you know, uh, Cooper, Blitzer, Tapper, that uh, Burnett, that whole block of oh so serious journos. How much time have they given to Stormy Daniels and Avenatti? And now that they're not useful anymore, we're all allowed to say, yeah, the whole thing is so sordid, isn't it? it what what a waste of everyone's time and energy. But CNN, you know, this is an apple. This is a banana. That's CNN. Uh, they, they, they made the porn star lawyer and the porn star among the uh, most covered media figures of the year, which is astonishing in and of itself. But it really just tells you how grotesque the mainstream media is. But the good news, Stormy, we don't have to do a free Stormy Daniels protest, folks, because she's out. She's going to be just fine. She's cashing in. All right, we got roll call coming up. Important stuff to discuss. Stay with me. Hey, Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. The Roll Call, the time when we get to hear from all of you here in in the Freedom Hut. I get to reach out to all of you from my hideaway here in the swamp, which I've realized. D.C. is just bureaucrats, lobbyists, and museums. That's really what D.C. is. So if you're not really into those things, you probably don't need to spend that much time here. I will, I will, I will give you that little, little fun bit uh, of advice. So with uh, all of that declared, all of that said, let's get into the latest here. Uh, Brian writes, what are the consequences when a nation loses confidence in its Department of Justice and the FBI. Oh, by the way, this is coming in via Facebook, facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. And uh, the truth is, Brian, we don't really know the exact consequences. I think you could say that the long-term uh, consequences are tough to gauge, but clearly bad. <laughs> so that's... That's what I would say. There's, there's obviously, you know, th- this goes to my earlier point. Um, uh, this goes to my earlier point that it's so much more 
concerning to me when law enforcement is weaponized for political purposes here at home than Russian Facebook puppets are trying to spread memes on the Internet during the election season. It's not even close. It's not even close. Russian Facebook memes are are not going to throw you in prison. Russian Facebook memes are not going to keep you from seeing your kids. They're not going to bankrupt you. Department of Justice can do that, can ruin your reputation, ruin your life. So it's a much bigger issue. And one thing that we have seen happen in this era of Trump is the absolute abandonment by most of the institutional left when it comes to civil liberties. Civil liberties now is, a, is, is it's not even a joke to them. It doesn't exist. It's a, it's a get Trump at all costs mentality. And civil liberties is one of the uh, one of the casualties of that. All right, here we go. We have. Uh, Michael writes, quote, Germans have less than 200,000 men and women under arms. Fewer, not less. Fewer. Yes, it matters. Uh, All right, Michael, you got me. But that is a perfect time for me to tell everybody, check out Buck Wild on the Hill. Uh, It is my new fun series. uh, And you should check it out. It's, uh, It's short. It's on Facebook. The latest one today is President Trump gives NATO a little tough love. Go check it out on thehill.com, my friends. It's on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Sexton. You should please, please check it out. Uh, but yes, you are right. Fewer, not less. I had to write the script quickly, blah, blah. Michael's among my, there's some Team Buck ombudsmen. They, uh, that won't let me go, they, you know, they, they refuse to let me go soft on, conserv- on my conservatism. They uh, make sure I'm grammatically correct. They don't let me complain too much about dad bod. They just say, why don't you go work out and eat clean and stop whining? Like there's a whole crew of of team. Bo- and I love them, you know, because they're like a big, a big squad of older brothers and sisters who listen to this show who are just making sure that I stay on track. So, yeah, Michael's Michael's one of those. Uh, next up here is Mike, not to be confused with Michael. You need to come to the Blue Dot in Austin, Texas, baby. I think we convinced you that in Texas, our prior, our priorities are God, family, football, and barbecue. We consider three and four interchangeable, so why not come to Austin in the fall? I bet we could organize a barbecue cook-off and tailgate day. Saturday is the other day of worship. Let Austin know we'll organize, not like the Alinsky type. They probably don't eat anything with eyes anyway. Bring producer Mike. I'm a transplanted South Jersey guy. So while we can't offer a good cheesesteak, a like Philly, we will offer enough protein to make Mike and the rest of the crew crave at least a salad when they go back to the Northeast. Shields high, Mike. Giving some love to producer Mike. Uh, I, look, I, I'm the, the place that I have circled on the map for our next team buck get together uh, for a barbecue is Austin. Question when I can get down there. Uh, my current responsibilities keep me insanely busy, uh, as I've been saying. Uh, but I'm not allowed to whine about it anymore. Team Team Buck elder siblings have been telling me, stop whining. We were, you know, some of you are like, I, you know, I've, I, I walked through six feet of snow barefoot for years for my logging job up in Alberta to pay for my great grandma's knee surgery. And I'm like, okay, you win, you win, you win. 
Uh, but no, Austin's high up on the list. I definitely want to get out there. And, and look, I, I love I love seeing Team Buck folks. The one guy I saw on the street here in D.C. who just walked past me and just yelled out Shields High and just kept going about his business. Made my day. Really made my week. It's a reminder that the team is in full force down here. Uh, next up, we get Matthew, who writes, Gran Torino. Uh, oh, that's that's in reference to the quote. Ever notice how you come across somebody once in a while you shouldn't have messed with? That's me. Uh, Matthew, I missed the quote, but I did not miss the movie. Gran Torino is a great film. One of my favorite Eastwood films. I think a very underrated movie. And I would also say among the most pro second amendment movies in existence. Uh, I, I think it is really a long ad for the second amendment in many ways. And it's up there with the walking dead. You know, that's what zombie apocalypse movies serve a very important role in American society. Reminds you that. You really want the, the good patriotic neighbor who is armed to the teeth all the time, but especially when the zombie apocalypse happens. right? Because, uh, you know, me, I, I'd be bringing along, because I live in D.C., we can't have anything here. I don't, I don't even think I'm allowed to have, you know, a tube sock full of marbles or something to swing around as some kind of, you know, makeshift defense implement. I mean, it's, it's you got nothing, nothing here, nothing allowed. Uh, uh, some of you are, like, collecting... World War II era submachine guns just for fun. Definitely not something you can do in D.C. Uh, next up here, Hannah. Hannah writes, wouldn't be messaging you if I didn't like the show. I wanted to suggest a no-holds-barred knockdown drag-out instead of this questioning. Let's see who's stronger, Struck or Gowdy. Hmm. Um, well... We've talked a lot about this one today. I, I think that uh, uh, Struck did a lot of damage to the deep state. We're finding out more and more about this, and it's not good for them. Uh, next up here, Sheldon writes, uh, This is how I think my poodle Loki pictures himself when he's growling over his food bowl, and it is a, a sent a photo of a Belgian Malinois on what looks like an Abrams tank. So, okay, cool. Thanks, Sheldon. I'm sure your poodle Loki is uh, fierce. Roberto writes, great office space reference, Buck. Shields high. Please send a buck slap to my coworker, Sal, who is leaving for another job. Well, I can't send a buck slap because maybe Sal is a capitalist who's getting a raise. Roberto, we got to give Sal you know, the benefit of the doubt on this one. You got to give me more information, buddy. Commerce, baby. That's how we like it. Mark writes, trade tariffs, a Trump-style negotiation tactic to get all nations to the table to establish free, fair trade for all, question mark? I am Ron Burgundy, asking for a friend, trade war tariffs. Uh, you know, people like, to, one of the things you see a lot in the Trump era, is people analyzing things before they could in any way realistically um, understand the real implications of what they're talking about meaning that they, they want to get out as much analysis before the results come in because it's really not about the results. It's about giving the analysis, right? Because the analysis period when it comes to Trump allows you to establish, I hate Trump, I hate Trump, I hate Trump. That's what people want to do. So that's why you see on North Korea, people go, oh, he failed. No, he did not fail. I mean, the, the people that are running around saying Trump failed on North Korea, it would be like if you were taking... You know, the SATs again. Remember that? I know. You're getting anxiety just thinking about it, right? 
you know, you're taking a standardized test and someone's standing there and every five minutes they're like, oh, you didn't finish. You didn't finish. You must have failed. It's like, no, I'm taking the test. I'm working through it. We do not have the results yet. Do not claim to know the results before there are results. And this is what they do with Trump all the time. And it's one of the ways you see Trump derangement syndrome rear its very ugly head. Uh, it happens time and time again. Uh, I hope you all check out Buck Wild, by the way. It's up on the hill. I got it on Facebook. It's out on Twitter, too, because I'm just going to say. I put up, I put them out, and my co-host Crystal puts them out. You got a conservative and a progressive, both putting out these short. Hers are called Crystal Clear. Mine are called Buck Wild. Do you want the conservative to get more views? I, it's up to you, team. It's really in your hands. I'm just just putting it out there. Plus, it gives me bragging rights. I get to mess with Crystal and tell her that she has to only drink. You know what? Actually, I should have a bet with her where if I if I get the most views for a month. She has to only drink Black Rifle coffee and wear a Black Rifle t-shirt with a, oh no, a nine-line t-shirt while drinking Black Rifle coffee and taking uh, shots of Strike Force energy while on the phone calling Global Verification Network. I mean, you know, I'm going to get them all in there. Uh, but we could definitely get her drinking some Black Rifle and wearing some nine lines. So that's a thing that I am hoping will happen. Emery. Right. Buck Shields. Hi, brother. I was watching the hill today and saw crystal ball. I'm going to be pl- up. Oh, I didn't plan on this. I'm going to be polite and say that I was listening to some nonsense. Typical leftist using one extreme incident where a woman supposedly yells not to get an ambulance to explain a policy. Get out of here with that. I appreciate you respecting her as a lady, but one of these ga- days you're going to have to let her have it. All the best, Emery. Uh, guys, I've told you all this before. This is this is the. This is the truth. This show is the truth and nothing but the truth. When you're trying to have a polite conversation with progressives, manners get in the way. And manners on, at some level are not the absence of truth, but the, uh, the watering down of truth sometimes. Just the way it is. So it's a different mission in the morning. But if you want it, we try to have some fun, too. So if you want something that's light, I will say this. It's a lot better than Morning Joe. right? It's a lot better than uh, the other shows you have options to listen to politics in the morning plus you get to hang out with me and i like knowing the team is out there uh the freedom hut podcast will be up tonight our interview is with ann coulter and also we have a special appearance by our special moscow correspondent comrade commie bear please please go on the uh either on stitcher or in the apple podcast store and download the freedom hut with buck sexton podcast we love seeing those numbers go up. Very, very important. Let's help beat all the commie podcasts that are up there. And uh, until tomorrow, my friends, Shields High.